Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 208 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in and thanks for being a part of the podcast this week. Now in today's episode we welcome back a well-known rider from Ireland and probably all over the UK as well. His name is Nathan the Lizard McComb and we've got Nathan back on the podcast to chat about reopening his guiding business in Malaga called Enduro Malaga after the Covid lockdowns and stuff. He had his first guests over there, the Ballyhura guys and uh, had loads of of good times, of course. So we chat to him about how that all went over COVID, how he became a farmer and delivered fruit over those times. It's an amazing story. We chat to him about how the police weren't that happy with him scouting out and uh, maybe building the odd trail and stuff here. So we chat to him about that. We chat to him about his plastic surgery, how that went down after an accident, um, it's quite a funny story. It's maybe not right to laugh or anything, but um, it's crazy how this happened. Um, so we chat to him about that. We chat to him about future expansion of Enduro Malaga, of Gravel Malaga as well. And he's got some super, super exciting news about the direction he's wanting to take MTB and Enduro Malaga over there in Spain. So it was awesome to get him on, find out all this info I'd never known about uh, and share it with you guys. Now, Nathan has also been very, very kind to offer listeners of the podcast 10% off their Enduro Malaga trip. So it's very simple. Tune into the podcast, keep listening or go to the show notes and you will find out how to do that. It's super simple and you can save 10% off your trip. Amazing. So without further ado, let's get Nathan on the show and let's welcome Nathan the Lizard back to the MTV Tribe podcast. Hi Nathan, welcome back to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things with you, buddy? Not too bad, Gareth. It's good to be back on. Here we are. We're uh, we're, we're getting ready. We're kicking off our, our winter season down here in Malaga. So uh, pretty excited now to get back to the biking after um, a short break. Something to do with a global pandemic or something uh, happened. Did, did really? you hear about that? No, it must just be in Spain, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it, it, uh, I'll tell you one thing though. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, you know, are crying about it, or you know, rightly so. Um, but I tell you what, I've actually loved it. It's been uh, it's been a pretty mad two years and a bit of a whirlwind adventure of uh, getting into different things. You know, it went beforehand. We were just all bikes, 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 and uh, then all of all of a sudden, you know, quarantines came along. You couldn't get out. You couldn't do anything. Spain was super strict on that front um especially like right at the very beginning you know um and we we were in we were in this major lockdown couldn't leave houses couldn't do anything and there you know there i'm on facebook and looking at everybody back at home still out riding bikes and having fun and thinking like what's going on so we uh we actually ended up uh well like so many people you know had the time to go around their gardens and you know get into their gardening and stuff well 
we kind of took it to the next level and went full agriculture <laughs> side of things on it, you know, and got into the got into the farming in a big way. Wow. Yeah, because you have a bit of land there where you're at, right? We do. Um, we, I mean, it was we weren't living here at the time before COVID, um, but we. So I'm just gonna let the dog outside. Um, but yes, we 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 just acquired well. We were in the process of, of buying a, a finca here down in down in Malaga, um, a little like avocado finca, which was just kind of the the idea was to be just as our little getaway whenever we uh, whenever we had big groups in and stuff like mm-hmm. that there that we'd be able to you know get away and have a little bit of time to ourselves in the in the evenings and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's been absolutely amazing. What a resource to have uh, during COVID times. You know, it was like you talk about uh, just having this project. You know that you could uh, you could really focus on and didn't have any distractions of the real world to uh, to deal with. So it was uh, it was yeah really good, really really good, really valuable. You know. Yeah, yeah, because it kicked off. Because when COVID kicked off, I was still in Malta, and I know Italy. It kicked mm-hmm. off in Italy quite early. That was the same in Spain, right? You guys kind of got a first type thing before yeah. there was lockdowns and all back home here. Exactly. I think we we were probably about three or four weeks behind Italy, and uh, it, it was it's kind of surreal thinking back at it now. You know, and the the kind of ah sure that that'll that'll not affect us you know mm, yeah. <laughs> that's that's all the way that's that's all the way over there you know well obviously at least not that far away but yeah it was just it was crazy whenever it eventually did kick in i remember i was um sending a few messages back with some of the boys at Vetus and uh, they were asking me just how how we were getting on you know and we we still had groups over you know it was this is during the time of everything in italy Mm-hmm. Um, and we still had groups. We, you know, I was sending them pictures like, ah, it's not going to affect us, you know, hard mountain bikers. It'll be no problem. <laughs> and then yeah, a couple of weeks later, like, like that's that's that. Then all of a sudden, the the emails started flowing in, like, oh, my flight's been cancelled, and this and that and the other. And it was just like, oh God, right, this is actually going to affect us here now. You know, what yeah. do we do? But uh, but what could you do? You know, we were all in the same boat. I exactly. I remember. I remember chatting to somebody else I'd on the podcast and they were they were in Spain as well and they had kind of got caught at their parents' house or something and they were saying they couldn't even go out. There was helicopters flying about and if you were seen outside, I don't know what they'd have done to you from a helicopter, but, but you know, it was really, really strict. Yeah. Oh, big time, big time. Like, I mean, there was, there was just the, the police were non-stop or the, the, the big boy police, as I call them, the Guardia Civil, they were, they were up and down and just doing patrols all around the place and, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not the type of person that does good sitting around doing nothing, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I kind of have the I kind of have this personality where I kind of like have it, you know. If my, that's my, my leg starts shaking if I'm sitting still for too long, you know. So I've I've got to get up and do something. Um, and yeah, so I I just got on the phone to the accountant and said, here, <laughs> is there anything you can do that'll give me a piece of that allows me to, you know, because certain sectors uh, were were allowed to continue working, um, and the tourism sector wasn't one of those. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we we got them to to put put on our paperwork that we were uh, that we were able to do fruit and veg deliveries. So that way, it meant that we were able to, as long as we were driving along with some fruit and veg in the back of the van, it wasn't a problem. You we are were, we kind of got away scot free. Yeah. Well, this was the this was the main thing as well was because where we were living in the town, 
we weren't you weren't allowed to go to your if you had a bit of land that you looked after or anything you weren't allowed in those initial couple of months so that was the that was the kind of the the starter the first kind of excuse that we had we sort of thought like well if we do fruit and veg deliveries we're going to our land to collect the fruit and veg and then we're taking it to other people's uh, places and i tell you what it actually uh it, it kicked off pretty well and we, we ended up uh, starting uh starting a whole business from that um <laughs> that is pre- pretty that has pretty much kept us going you know it was kind of like a, a bit of a joke at the start where we we're kind of like right what can we do here we just need a piece of paper that'll allow us to drive you know um uh and yeah that's uh, it ended up uh, we, we initially were delivering to to all of these uh all of the retired folk down along the coast on the costa del sol you know that were either too afraid to go to the sh- just to go to the supermarkets or you know where didn't want to leave their house because of all of the scare stories that there was from the police stopping people and you know a lot of those people they don't speak very good spanish either so yeah um they had a lot of there was a lot of concerns there um and yeah it kind of like we we filled the gap basically we were we were essentially for for the entire duration of the the start of covid lockdown we we were the ones that were hanging around outside people's houses you know chatting away and kind of giving them a wee bit of a wee bit of uh social life you know and being able to kind of talk to somebody face to face rather than uh you know just being locked in by themselves all the time so yeah and it's really good for a lot of the elderly couples and stuff like that there you know and it will tell you one thing it was uh uh, an amazing way to get involved with the community you know the amount of people that we met along the way and different bits and pieces you know and helping people out it was uh it was a really 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 nice nice thing to experience you know in That's such amazing. terrible times <laughs> yeah like i'm just yeah. imagining a load of mountain bikers you know hiding below below a load of oranges or something <laughs> exactly exactly i'll tell you yeah, what it was, the uh, it was funny but we had to uh, because you know you couldn't you couldn't get out into the forest or anything so at least that was the that was the blessing about having that little bit of land that we had you know well our our, our land has a, a river running down along through it um and that was me being a trials writer you know that was kind of one of the the first things whenever i, I spotted the property you know i kind of thought like oh, there's a potential for a few trial sections in there so it was great <laughs> i was able to play everybody was locked up i was able to play around on the motorbike down in the river you know on our own private land and everything and uh and get out and build a few wee jumps and stuff and uh, we actually ended up getting the getting the slack line out and uh trying to ride the mountain bike along the slack line and everything no. you know so it was uh, yeah it was it was one of those ones you know i think i'd seen a couple of things danny mccaskill had put up and thought i've got a slack line sitting in the garage that that looks like a great idea <laughs> so wow. uh, yeah all part of the fun the wee things you do to keep yourself entertained yeah happy days and the fruit and veg you were selling and stuff were you growing that yourself or were you buying it in to sell on uh, well, this was actually the initially. So right at the very start, um, we had a lot of neighbours where where we had bought the little bit of land. Um, our the neighbours were so used to they they grew all of the stuff. They, and I picture it. These are all like you know eighty year old Spanish guys that you know used to grow stuff to take it to the market on a Sunday and sell it all. But all of a sudden, all of those markets on a Sunday were closed down. So they mm. had all of this fruit and veg that was just growing away, and that you know they couldn't they couldn't risk driving 
all the way down into the capital to deliver it to, say, one of the big cooperatives or anything like that. So it was just perfect, uh, perfect for us to, you know, we we just went around, we just said to them, like, look, we, you know, we we got order forms, you know, simple Google forms put together, and um, we we had all of our our orders in, so we knew exactly what it was that they had to go and pick, and they picked it and left it up at uh, left it up in our driveway, you know, it was, you know, all about keeping distances and all of that stuff yeah. back then, so. They would just leave it, leave it off in our driveway, and uh, we'd leave the money there for them, and then we'd take it and put it into all of the separate boxes, and you know, put together a nice, uh, a nice varied box of, of fruit and veg, and deliver it around the coast. So, um, yeah, it worked out. It was, it, it was just all like you know, you you couldn't, you couldn't have planned it. You know, it just all happened to fall in our laps, kind of thing. You know, we just talked to one person, like, oh, you've got that problem. Oh, well, maybe we can help with that, and you know, oh, well, maybe we could do this and we could do that. You know, so yeah, it was a it was a pretty fun fun experience, you know. Like for that initial run that you were selling stuff, were you just simply going and knocking on doors, or how did you organise all that? No, no, we we just put it up on Facebook. I mean, the thing is, at that time, I'd say everybody was just sitting on their phones or sitting on the computers, you know, at home Aye. and just looking at, you know, watching the constant updates. And uh, we just put a wee post on Facebook, like anybody, you know, if anybody needs any fruit and veg, we'll be able to deliver it. No joke. We had 150 replies within an hour. You are joking <laughs> like me. It was it was insane. Like that first initial time, as I say, that was all during, you know, during the first lockdown and everything. Mm. Um, and yeah, it exploded and we, we kicked off pretty well. And then we, but then of course the, the summertime came and we, uh, we have a, you know, we were using the the van, like the Enduro Malaga vans, which you can imagine are all, you know, they're, they're not refrigerated vans or anything. So Whenever the summertime came along and the real heat started, you know, we were getting into the 40 degree days. Mm. You, you were almost, it was almost better. You were almost e- easier to grow stuff in it in the van than you were to transport it in the van, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so we, we decided to, we decided, you know, things are opening up. Tourism had kind of started again in the summer and we thought, right, okay. We nor- we normally close down for July and August, so we'll we- we'll take it easy and during August and uh, the bikes will be back in September. But of course, September rolled around and then <laughs> another yeah. lockdown came came into place, you know. So um, uh, we kind of held on for a wee bit and then got back into we 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 started planting a lot of the stuff ourselves and we started you know growing more and more fruit and veg. Um, and of course, we already had the bit of land that had the oranges and the avocados and everything. So uh, we were able to we were we were able to kind of use a lot of our own stock and still buy a little bit off other people. And we we got the fruit and veg up and running again. Um, and it's still it's still going. Uh, we're still we're we're kind of we're we're just down to about between thirty and forty deliveries a week. Right. Um, wow. Which we which to be honest, we do we do all in one day. So um, tomorrow, tomorrow actually is our Wednesdays or our, our delivery days, um, and yeah, it's a, it's one crazy day where we we get all of the stuff together super early in the morning and pack it all out, and then we're 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 on the road all day long, you know. So um, yeah, so but it's uh, I, I'll tell you one thing. I am excited to get back to mountain biking. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure you are, sir. I'm it's, sure you it, are. You know. 
the the farming it's just it's a 24 7 it just doesn't stop you know there's always something to to be down tending to or weeding this or you know feeding the feeding the animals or whatever the case may be um there's always uh there's always a little you know little little uh chores to be done you know and uh, if uh, yeah, well, we, we we got back to our uh, we got back to the our first mountain bike group uh, since since uh, yeah, it's nearly nearly two years now, um, and yeah, that was last last week, and I tell you what, it was absolutely amazing to be back was, and to be just having the crack with the boys and was riding that the bikes Bally and dudes? having fun. It was indeed, and I tell you what, what what a group to what a group to start off with. With uh, after having them boys out, it's going to be hard to top that one. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, you know, they they always say you know food tastes better whenever you're you know whenever you're hungry. But uh-huh. I tell you, we we were hungry for the bikes, and what what a few days riding we we had, and uh, so much fun, and the the lads were great crack, and uh, we're up for a up for a bit of fun. And the the beauty about having had uh, two years to to kind of be exploring the the place and not you know not have the the constant kind of nine to five on our mm-hmm. on our you know holding us back, we were able to explore so many new new places and new restaurants and this and that and the other within within our local area. You know that we just hadn't had time to check them out before. So uh, so now everybody that's coming over now is kind of reaping that the, the the time and the the experience that we've gained and how we've we found all of the little like amazing little restaurants here and there and all of the the the, the little experiences that there are in the area that we're able to now bring them to you know so it kind of it, it meant that th- those lads were the first ones to really experience that you know going to a different real like super nice like a, a jazz bar in the middle of the forest where you know you've got the river running alongside while the guy you know at night time is all lit up with the lights and everything and there's the the live jazz music and everything playing with wow. some amazing amazing food that's like picked within the local area you know it's all like organic like farm to table style stuff that doesn't cost a fortune because it's here and it's in the middle of the countryside and you know they're just trying to draw people in so it, it's still it's you know it's, it's cheap as chips yeah, but what an amazing place to have some cool food and a, a really good experience. So now we know all of these places, we're we're ready to to share it with the world. You know. Yeah, that's interesting because I was going to ask you if you had got out in the bike much over lockdown because I knew it was quite strict there. And then obviously I was wanting to speak to you if you had the opportunity to do that. Did you have the opportunity to find a lot of new routes and trails? So you obviously have been you know you've been keeping busy and doing that as well. We have indeed, but I tell you, that was the thing. The farming really took over. So, uh, aside from, I, I, I didn't really get out for fun on the bike. You know, like I'd, oh, okay. I'd say, if anybody, if if anybody was following my sort of social media stuff and all, I, I essentially dropped off the face of the earth. You know, um, initially the the whole fruit and veg thing, as you can imagine, with with uh, you know a hundred and something odd deliveries to be doing, and you know <laughs> finding all of that produce and packing it out. We just did not have uh, any more time, and it was all we could really do. You know, at the end of the day, there were still bills to pay, um, and there, it wasn't like you know there it wasn't like we were able to get furloughed or anything like that. You know, we still had to be trying to make our own way, and 
with here this the, the Spanish government there wasn't too much help or anything you know I think maybe right. over, over the entire period it was maybe only a couple of thousand uh, euros that, that we got for, of help um, so that was it was all up to ourselves so yeah we, we just ended up having to having to really focus on on where the money was I'm not the type of person that really you know goes after the money but that you know, whenever you have bills to pay, that's what you've got to do. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we didn't really have time for the fun. We still um, just before lockdown, we had uh, gravel Malaga, which we were which we were um, about to kick off. Mm, but, that's uh, right. Yeah. Whenever, whenever, whenever things kind of started easing off, then with the lockdowns and things, myself and and Victor Lucas, we were able to get out and explore a couple of routes and stuff. Um and, and Victor is really the he is the man when it comes to the the gravel biking around here in Malaga. He's been here since two thousand and eight and exploring all of the different but doing riding gravel before gravel was a thing, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun kind of getting to do that and we've been uh, we're now we're really focusing on ramping up and getting ready for this season and we've been we've been doing a lot of a lot of work on the on the trails and stuff, getting them back into a bit of shape. Um, uh, and we we do have some some nice new gems that some of the locals have have cut in for us, and we we helped them out a wee bit there recently. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's looking good for for this winter anyway. Happy days, man. Happy days. Like I know before because you were on the. I was looking earlier there. You were on the podcast last episode fifty, right? Now, believe it or not, that was that was in August two thousand eighteen. Wow. So. Yeah, like that's over three years. That's where, crazy. Where does the time? Where where does where does the time go? Oh man, <laughs> I, so fast. It goes into farming by the sounds of things. <laughs> oh, very true. Very true. <laughs> uh, but I know it when goes, I was it ch- goes into. Go it, ahead, go it goes ahead. into the it goes into the research of like soil microbiology and all <laughs> oh, of these no. kinds of things. You know, stuff that like. I would not have dreamt of thinking that I was going to be uh, I was going to be looking into or anything in any way, and I started getting into like ecosystems and the going into the science of how how these ecosystems actually work, you know, and uh-huh. how to do it all organically and everything like that. There, like that was just a, a whole rabbit hole, but. Uh, I'll, I'll not go into it in too much detail because I think we're we, 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 you'd be here a while. <laughs> yeah, because I know, like, after I had you on the show and stuff a while after that, like, mm. chatting to the guys from here and the guys that were visiting you from here, you know, you were basically fully booked. Them guys were struggling to get we, we dates. Were. Yeah. Exactly. Like, we, we, we were, it, uh, it kicked off pretty well. You know, and I guess it was due to, you know, I guess the, the social media background and stuff that we'd had, you know, and I kind of put it out there and we were, that, that's, that's kind of what I meant by, you know, we weren't able, we didn't have the time to go and explore and experience like, you know, to explore like different restaurants and things like this here because we did, we stuck to what we knew was good and, and that was it. You know, we weren't, re- we weren't really being adventurous at all. And that was because there was, there was day or there was months where I didn't have a single day off the bike because we had, uh, you know, we had, we had groups out and stuff. And that's how, that's how Enduro Malaga really kicked off within within four or five months we were we were pretty much we were pretty much booked right the way through you know um and even and even with with covid there were so many people that were that were booked in and that had to you know had to cancel or reschedule trips and and all of this kind of thing you know so 
It was uh, it was pretty crazy, but what an amazing uh, what an amazing way to start off with the mountain bikes. And here, I tell you what, I can't wait till we get back to that way of things. Now we've got Enduro Malaga and Gravel Malaga on the go, so it's uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, totally, man, totally. Like you know, COVID has obviously affected your MTB guiding business massively. Like I had Ram Gurung from Epic Shangri-La Adventure. He's from Nepal. I had him on the podcast as well ages ago. Uh-huh. Um, I think, yes, I think I heard that one. Yeah, you know, but it's massively affected his livelihood. You know, them guys, have, oh, like yourself, they've been closed for two years. Um, and, you know, yep. Ram's got a young family and stuff, and it's his, it's his you know, it's his bread and butter bringing this, the, the money into the table mm-hmm. as his, his guiding business. You know, like, at one stage there over the lockdown thing, and I was speaking to Ram about this, like, did you ever think of chucking it in? Did you think, you know, nah, you know, this whole, what if COVID happens again or what if it never ends? Like, what, you know, do you think along those lines? Yeah, or? very much so. Um, so, yeah, there was this whole, we kind of, um, we, we, we realized that there was a lot of like fragilities within, you know, our, our business was very fragile and very dependent on, you know, the global travel uh, mm. industry and, you know, people, people being able to access us at a, you know, at a, at a pretty damn cheap rate. You know, most, most flights there, there was times back then you, know, you were getting flights at 20, 20 euros return from my oh, you know um uh, so so it was uh yeah you know we we during those first couple of weeks obviously we were lucky we had the we had the fruit and veg thing that we were that we were really focusing on and really pushing the in order to keep things we had never thought that we were going to pack in the bikes that never never crossed my mind at all um it was only it was just that it was on pause um it was on pause and we were waiting until things got back to normal and people could start getting here but obviously now going forward how can we you know how can we make sure that doesn't happen again that if there is another pandemic that uh, that that we are able to sustain ourselves within the local community um and i guess once again it's going back to you know we we are lucky that we you know well i guess i've always i've always loved being outdoors i always knew from a young age that i was never going to have a an office job or you know mm. work indoors or anything like that there i've always i remember my uh my careers teacher you know asking me you know what what is it that i'm going to do you want to grow up and i i always said i'm going to take the likes of tullymore national outdoor center and i'm going to set that type of a thing up in spain <laughs> <laughs> that was you know that was that was when i was like 14 or 14 or 15 or something you know um and yeah the the mountain biking obviously that was what we specialized in so that was the that was the first step um and now we we kind of have plans to continue along those lines and have uh, we, we we have our, our five-year plan we want to uh we want to set up our, our own bike park down here um so there's pretty much no it's not like you know we're not like up at home where we've got you know multiple trail centers all within an hour's drive or whatever yeah. the case may be um here up up until about a month ago actually um the closest bike park to us would be a five to six hour drive away wow like that kind of that puts it into perspective you know considering the fact malaga is one of the the you know it is the winter destination within europe to come and ride bikes obviously this is due to the climate 
um, and the you know the fact that we are the most mountainous region in Spain. Um, you know, there's so many little trails throughout dotted throughout the mountains, but they are you know they are all old walking trails mm. and so on and so forth that have been you know adapted or maybe a little line has been added in by some some of the locals or ourselves or whatever the case may be. Um, but I actually <laughs> here's a here's a story for you. I uh, I was actually working on a, on a little trail that I was trying to link in the top of the mountain that was behind us right the way to our back door in the town where where we we used to have the the accommodation, um, and I was you know d- digging away at this trail. I'd maybe put about a month or two months worth of you know every evening being up there and digging away and cutting back and all the rest. And uh, didn't it uh, didn't the forestry guys find it? And they of course you know. D- Right, you know, fair enough. They they pulled a few, you know, pulled a few trees down over it, or you know, destroyed a few corners, as as you do. But then they started a manhunt. Really? I'd never heard of this before. I'd never heard of this before. But I started getting, I started hearing things from a couple of the different uh, mountain bike companies down here, and you know, they were saying like, yeah, we we got asked there whether we knew anything about who was building the trail up in there, you know, and we said nothing, and so on and so forth. But one day we got a phone call from the police saying, "Would you come down into the police station? We want to have a we want to have a chat with you." And all of us like, we had a, a pretty fair idea at this point what the what the story was mm-hmm. or what it was going to be about. But uh, yeah, we went in and the uh, the forestry guy came in and of course he uh, he says, "Right, I've no proof." But I'm pretty certain it was you, and I was a happy days. You've no proof, right? <laughs> Jesus, is that is is that is that a is that a motorbike trail? That is that some of the motorbike guys doing that there? Goodness me, I don't know. I have no idea. You've probably seen me going up in there with a rake to clear out some of the 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 walking trails, you know, just because we do ride them on the bikes, and I like to keep the you know keep the loose rocks off them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, I think he, to be honest, that day he uh, we got away with it anyway. But he uh, he really just wanted to check out check out all of our paperwork and get to know us and everything. And now it's actually it's really good. We're you know we're on first name basis, and every time we see each other in the forest, we stop and have a chat with them and catch up on on what's going on in the area and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, and that respect is really good. And it was it was really cool that we you know ever since day one it was all like right if we're going to do this we do it right we get all of the paperwork all of the permissions all of the insurance that we need and uh it was really it was really nice at that point uh, even though we were still only about eight eight to nine months into into enduro malaga at this point but uh it was really nice to to be able to turn around and in front of the chief of police from the from the local town you know to be able to him to say you know that you need this permission to do to be able to do this and of course i just scrolled along on my phone for a couple of minutes and went what that permission you know he's like oh right okay but you need but you need this insurance uh this insurance there you go (laughs) you know it was uh it it was it was really good it was one of those moments where you you know you kind of wanted to (laughs) you you were pushing the authorities back that little bit like yes i know what i'm doing you don't have to worry about us you know so them guys are all right were you digging now and stuff like that or do you still have to get permission no not not at all not yeah it's uh it's it's a whole big paperwork thing and this is this is where the the bike park idea kind of came from because in order to even just go up and he 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 wasn't too happy that i had even been up just you know raking a couple of you know some loose stones off the trails Mm. um it's it's very much like a whole diplomatic thing 
time here, you know, and all of the paperwork has to be correct, and nobody can do anything unless you've, you know, unless you you've got the right uh, the right approval from the authorities, um, which takes forever. Yeah, because you have to send it to one place and you have to get a stamp there and a receipt and take it to another place and you have to make the appointments for these places and you can't make the appointment until you have the proof of the last one and honestly if I was if I was wanting to go up and to cut just to cut back some some branches legally it would it would take me it would take me six months in paperwork that's how long I'd have to wait just to just to think oh that trail's a little bit overgrown I'll go up and you know and this is why you know it's it's the same I guess we've been we've been doing it you know the so many mountain bikers I'm sure can relate to uh you know going up into the forest and doing a wee bit of work and trying to hide the tools in a big backpack or something you know um but yeah I mean it's what we've got to do but our our plan our long-term plan getting back to your original question of what are we planning to do to kind of uh, have, you know, a more secure business in the long term Mm. is we are looking out for some land. And when I say some land, I mean, I'm I'm going pretty big on this one. I'm going uh, going (laughs) sort of like a a million to two million square meters or, you know, I think, what's that about? 100 or 200 hectares i believe right um you know you're talking a, an entire mountainside um which i can essentially turn into a big playground of not only a bike park but um a complete like terraforming project you know we've got into this agriculture side of things in a big yeah, yeah. way and learned a lot about different ecosystems and so on and so forth so it's very much about taking a, a, an old bit of land that has got no life in it at all you know completely dried up um and completely regenerating that and turning it into like a uh well i guess the it would be like a a permaculture food forest type of idea which is it's just basically it's a, a living ecosystem that sustains itself um you know you you have a, a certain number of things to do to to get it up and running um you know by like forming the land so that it catches the water rather than the water just you know running off down a hill and creating lots of erosion and t- mm-hmm. carrying away all of your topsoil um you, you know you've got to form everything and plant it all up with the right design and you know having the right microclimates for all of the different uh, the different trees and stuff and through that sort of through that type of a project, that would mean that we would not only have a bike park that we're using for the tourism and coaching and all of that side of things, but then also we have a, a food production side of things all within the same with all on the same land. Um, yeah. And then to take it a step further, like it doesn't sound like it's already a hard enough uh, project, but to uh, to use animals. Um, and that would be like rescue animals that we would take that have, you know, maybe are, have been abandoned or got lost or so there's so many different animal charities down here that end up say with a, a stray goat that they have no idea who it belongs to and they, yeah. you know, who, who, who on earth do they, you know, do they give a goat to, you know? So if we could take all of the likes of, of those animals, give them a great home and have them 
do the jobs that they're meant to do, you know, not just standing around locked up in cages and, you know, being milked all day long or whatever the case may be and hardly ever getting outside, but actually using them and moving them around the land to say grazing to keep the keep the you know keep everything from overgrowing and all of that side of things and also fertilizing as they go along the way and so many benefits that there is to uh, to having animals within the ecosystem you know and using them like before you know you think of america before uh, before the, it was colonized you know you, you heard of you know the millions and millions of buffalo that there was you know yeah and of course, those those buffalo, those herds of buffalo would have been moving from from one, you know, would have been moving just constantly in, in herds of millions at a time, grazing, grazing at a place and just move on. And then maybe in, in a couple of months time, whenever the grasses have grown back up to six foot high, they come back and then they they graze away and they, they poop there and then they move on to the next area. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. we what we do now where we. We have our, our fields where we just, uh, you know, there you go, there you go, Betsy, away you go out into the field there and munch away on that grass. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's right down to the bare soil and there's no grass left and you have to bring them in and feed them hay and all sorts of stuff, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's how that's how we're planning on doing it anyway. Yeah, wow. It's an amazing idea. And I know I had the guys from Bike Glendu, uh, New Zealand, uh, mountain bike park I had them on the podcast and they're doing something very very similar where they're preserving kind of the natural landscape while building this trail park you know like you were saying everything yeah. from water irrigation to whatever plants they use keeping all the original kind of foliage and stuff there not introducing you know hard species or something that will take over the whole mountainside they, uh, you know and even their cafe at the top of the mountain is all eco credentials it's all yep. solar powered yep. <clears throat> this whole idea like that seems to be a big thing in new zealand uh, massively so i'll tell you it 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 should be a big thing all over the world mm. the, especially in the in today's current age and the way we're going with uh, i mean you know it's not like we've been doing this for for you know forever or for for a long period of time but just in the short number of years that we've been doing this we we can even see the effects that the likes of climate change and what have you have have really been having on the weather you know well i mean we can see it all over the world you know mm-hmm. there's there's floodings and storms here there and everywhere you know extreme heats extreme colds you know it's just, it's it's crazy and I, I definitely feel like uh, it's it's the only way to be moving forward yeah totally like it's funny because you know my three biggest sports is mountain biking surfing and we'll say american football aside but snowboarding (laughs) and the three of them are all Mm -hmm. very heavily environmentally you know required like if you don't have the environment you don't have the climate that you you can't do these things exactly exactly I mean, I know we're talking about it. I know we're talking about it in summertime here, but like, look at Alpe d'Huez. You know, when I was last there, it would have been two, two and a half years ago, and uh, I, you know, for for the mega avalanche, and there was hardly any snow at the top of the mountain at all. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's just like every single year, the glacier is just going further and further. I, I'd say it won't, it won't be too long until it disappears altogether. You know, for in the summertime at least. Anyway, you know, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty mad. And there's there's so many so many sports and so many enterprises that are that are going to be finding it tough just due to due to climate change alone. You know. Yeah, and you know it's funny because 
I can't remember who he was chatting to, but they were from um, a ski resort. And I was asking them, that, this has nothing to do with the podcast, this was just in passing, and I was asking them, um, right. you know, like, are you guys thinking of starting mountain biking? You know, are you just going to go that direction? And he says, well, mm. you know, the, the snow season's getting so short now that we probably will have to. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just a natural thing. We yeah. have to do something to extend our season. You know, so... Very true. And it's here, crazy. And here, can I just say, that? can I just say, this isn't a good thing to all of these mountain bike listeners out there, you know, that no. we're going to have more, more, <laughs> we're gonna have more bike parks all of a sudden popping up all over the place, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's it's going to have uh, extreme adverse effects on the other end of things as well, you know, with more storms, then those those bike parks are going to, you know, come into, under increasing strains in order to try to maintain trails and so on. So, you know, we, I don't know how many of the trails around here got washed away last year in one of the big storms, you know, and it took yeah. a, a massive effort to to get back and to, you know, just to fix up the little sections here and there. There's one one trail, <laughs> no joke, three meters worth of the trail had completely disappeared. <laughs> like, three th- you know, th- like 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 a Deep, three like. meter chunk of like. No, it was worse than that. It was probably about five meters deep, three meters across. And it was just the the entire, like the the boulders and the water that had just rushed down. You could almost have fit two of my sprinter vans into the hole that had been made, you know, whereas before it was a nice, perfectly flat bit of trail where like on rainy days, you get a little bit of a stream crossing over it. And that's how much it it had worn away. It was like enough to fit two sprinter vans down into it. Absolutely insane the amount of uh, the amount of erosion that happens so quickly with these big storms, you know. Yeah, that's uh, and I suppose that's off the back of, you know, probably having too warm a summer or or whenever whenever a summer happens when it maybe shouldn't, and then the ground is so hard. Yeah. So when it does rain the way it normally does, it doesn't seep mm-hmm. into the soil; it just runs down that stuff like cement. Yeah. Exactly right, and it's uh, it's okay at the top, <laughs> yeah. and it's okay kind of in the in the middle gets a little bit of a hit, but further on downstream, oh, it's just complete and utter annihilation. Yeah, it's crazy times, man, crazy times. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, when you're talking about buying the side of a mountain, is that something you can purchase, like buy, or is it something you have to rent? Yeah, there, there. There is a there is a number of large large sites um, within. I mean, my kind of criteria would be that it's within an hour of Malaga Airport because I don't want to be doing, you know picking people up yeah. from the airport and having them sitting in a van for that long. But within even within an hour of Malaga Airport, that is you know quite a quite an ur- urbanized area. Um, there is still there is still a num you know a good number of fincas that you know were all maybe used for as I was saying you know used for animals you know gra- the grazing of animals mm, or whatever okay. keeping of, of livestock and you know through malpractice uh, you know the, they've just been degraded and degraded to the point now where you know especially with the extreme summers that we have they've completely dried up and nobody you know that's it's no good uh, from a, a i guess from a, a livestock or an agricultural point of view in, in those terms um but for somebody looking at it as uh well that's actually a blank canvas um that you know 
that that'll be perfect for me to come in do a bit of uh, a bit of earthworks you know a bit of excavation and stuff in mm-hmm. order to catch the water and to to build a few trails along the way and plant up a you know plant up a whole a whole load of different things not only that but like you know not only food but things like giant bamboo you know it's it's mm-hmm. going to be a a, ma- a massive industry in the future you know and it's it's the type of thing that it uh, it takes four years from from seed to maturity you know um uh, and it's it's a that's the type of thing that's a pretty good cash crop and stuff uh, at the minute mm-hmm. so you know using things like this here we could we could plant up things like bamboo and within actually within a period of you know within sort of a year all of a sudden instead of riding your bike park out in the open where it's windy and exposed you're riding you're riding through a, a bamboo forest yeah, you amazing. Know, something like com- completely out there. Something that like I've never seen in all of my travels of uh, and riding bikes all over the place, um, which is something I really want to create a unique experience where you can, you know, be sessioning a little jump line and then down at the bottom you finish and all of a sudden there you can go and you can you can pick some apples or some pears or some, you know, you can pick some mangoes off the tree or whatever the case may be, you know, and and have it right there and then. You know, that's that's kind of my that's my ultimate goal but of course this is the type of a, a big project that would would require uh, so would require an investor to come on board as well and help us out on the financial side of things and uh, we have that we have the know-how we have the we have the skills and the ability to do to do it um and the and the energy um and all we need is uh, is the land really you know and so i mean things like that they're they're on the market for for under a million euros you know um so and that's that 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 would that would include uh, a house with uh, you know you know with uh, all of the all of the usual kind of bits and pieces that would go along with a uh, you know the likes of one of those farms that I was talking about mm-hmm. and that another dog outside now sorry <laughs> there we go the other dog uh, it's it's just uh, it's like a wee motorway the dogs come in and out that's the, the amazing thing about living on this wee bit of land you know they can they can just come and go as they please Oh, just rightfully so, but, rightfully so. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, so that w- it would inquire uh, having an investor to come on board. So if there's anybody out there that has a spare million euros and would like to uh, would like to invest in Malaga and into some uh, furthering the sport and uh, getting you know into some sustainable eco agriculture, uh, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, cool. I have a blank check here with your name on it. Happy days from on ahead. <laughs> you can live in the house. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant brilliant well here uh, now anybody that wants to know more about enduro malaga and what you do that they can go and listen to your previous episode episode uh 50 and they'll get a, a great insight into that but i was Certainly. i was chatting to a few guys that were out your way uh brian kennedy bkxc yes. you know brian obviously he's massive youtube I, following yeah. like uh, and Andrew McAvoy was out with him from Trail Rider. And that is right. Stephen, the, the, two, the two of them, they, they seemed like they they done a very good tour all uh, all yeah. up and down Spain, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah and they kind of put cool. a video each day or something, you know, time about. Um, but they've got massive followings on YouTube, like. Um, and Stephen Wilson yep. from Monkey Wrench MTB was there as well. Yes. That's but, right. He was indeed. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, and you took him off that big jump, and he broke his frame, and all. I remember that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he come down. He come down. We, we were up. At, we were up at El Choro, and uh, that's 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 right. It was actually it was one of the first trails of the day, 
And there's a, there's a part on it that we call, it's the, the double bubble. And it's kind of like a big rock slab that has these two big lumps in the rock slab. And it's quite a sharp kind of, uh, quite a sharp edge at the bottom. And the thing is, if you come off, if you come down off the first bit of the bubble with a little bit too much speed, you go light over the second one. And it's very hard to get like on the brakes again by the bottom. And I tell you what, that was it. That was a complete and utter freak accident that he had. It was just, it wasn't even a big crash. It mm. was just an awkward kind of, an, an awkward fall. And it was just an unlucky rock that was just sitting right in the middle of the trail, or not in the middle of the trail, but right in the middle of just where, where he came off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or I wouldn't even really call it coming off. It was like he set the bike down into it. Yeah. Uh, and it just caught the caught the front of the caught the front of like the I would say the head well where the headset is but that that front of part of the frame just hit that and I guess with all of the momentum it geez yeah the the carbon fiber bike just just snapped in half by that was, oh, uh, crazy. It was a shock to us all you know it was mad yeah. to hear these things these things can happen you know I totally and Stephen filmed it all obviously it's all on camera. Um, uh-huh. But I've been out with him four or five times since that. He's a hundred percent. Everything's good. He's yeah, loving his new stuff, <laughs> and he got a new bike. Exactly. Out of his he, he got he got a, he got a new bike out of it. The end. That's the good thing about the about insurance, isn't it? You know, he got a yeah. he was able to get a new bike out of it. And I think he even got a couple of wee upgrades and stuff in there, and it was great. And it wasn't all completely lost. He was able to use one of my spare bikes then uh, for the next couple of days of riding. That's right. uh, and get back out for a wee bit of action and have some fun, you know. So that's right. Very good, and I, th- I can't wait. I can't wait to have the likes of them guys back out again because I just have so much fun doing that sort of a that sort of a week where we we go along and we film a few bits and pieces and chatting away about all of the different things that we've done over the time. You know, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was great. Aye, and like for anybody that doesn't know Brian Kennedy, like he basically has his own YouTube channel. This is his income. He bikes around well it was around america initially but now it's basically around the world right films it exactly makes a yeah, really good living from this. it yeah and he rides with some amazing I love, riders i i, I love i love i tell you what see whenever i first initially heard of his, his youtube channel i kind of didn't really say ignored it but uh didn't really think much of it because it was brian kennedy cross country you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. i kind of never really thought anything of it but i tell you what he's uh he's a pretty damn good writer as well you know he was uh he, he was hanging in there well i was kind of you know picking the picking a few lines out and stuff for them and helping them out and showing them down down all of the different trails and he, he was liking he was liking that you know to to be able to be somewhere completely new but to be able to ride the lines of a local, you know, and to mm-hmm. be able to to see that there. And that's one of the things that he really said that he liked about following me was just how I was able to kind of figure out what the perfect pace for them was. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to just kind of sit in there and they knew that they could trust that I wasn't going to do anything crazy, stupid in front of them. Usually yeah. I try to, I try to get out of people's sight before I do something, <laughs> something crazy, <laughs> some big jumps or bunny hopping over boulders or something, you know? Yeah, but, uh, well, that's the la- that's the last thing I want is somebody following me through that. You know? I totally. Well, the funny th- this is the thing now, and this is where I was going with this. I can't remember if it was Brian or Andrew or Stephen that told me this, right? I can't remember this, but now Brian Kennedy has read with some amazing writers because he hooks up with the local guys when he goes to goes to different venues and stuff. Everywhere, yeah, yeah. pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Brian said that you were the best rider he had ever ridden with. Oh, <laughs> somebody. 
oh here i mean i'm i'm just out having fun <laughs> yeah i'm just out but, having fun with the boys you know and uh yeah i guess that's that's what happens with uh, years of trials experience and uh, as as uh, as i've said many times before if you want to learn to do something fast first you've got to learn how to do it slow mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah but you know I thought that was amazing because Brian Kennedy, he's a good rider, man. There's no doubt. Like, he rides all the time. He's yeah. a great rider. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a, nor- it's a guy from Castle Wellen. All the places he's ridden in the world, a guy from Castle uh, Wellen is the best rider he's ever rid with. I'm telling you, there's, there's some, there's, it's, you know what? I think it's, it's, it's not just Castle Wellen. It's just, I think it's Ireland in general. Like, there's some amazing talent that's been, been coming through there, you know, and, I I can really see it in some of the some of the young fellas that that are coming through there, like you know Oshin O'Callaghan, Ronan Dunn, and you know those boys that are doing the the World Cup downhills and stuff. Yeah. And you know, looking at the age of them, and even we we Callum Morris and stuff, you know that that's that's riding McLean. The times them boys are doing now, it's unbelievable. And I'll tell you one thing, I can really see that that has been a big thing. And it's ever since all of the trail centres and stuff have opened up within Northern Ireland, the level of riding within Ireland has just gone through the roof. And it's absolutely amazing to see. Yeah. Like, we we have world champions. There's world champions coming from this island without a doubt. I mean... Look at Greg, you know, Greg yeah. Callahan, he's been on multiple world championship podiums and stuff. That's you know, and you know, Keelan Keelan's pushing hard and he's well up there and fighting with the top lads you know, week in, week out with the with the enduro stuff. It, the the boys are on it and I tell you one thing, they're not slowing down either because there's a lot of young ones coming through underneath that I just keep a I keep a wee eye on, you know, and keep following them on social medias and seeing who's doing what and there's there, there's been so many times in the last year where I've just been jaw dropped watching a little clip of you know a, a 15 or a 16 year old kid coming through a section back at home that I know and that I'm looking at going like you what <laughs> <laughs> if if one you know I wasn't doing that I wasn't doing that when I was 15 or 16 you know yeah uh, so yeah it's uh, it's crazy so yeah I can't I can't take all of the uh, I can't say that it's anything special about me I think uh, just it seems to be that the Irish riders in general and the the sport and the way it goes in Ireland it's uh, it's really good for for developing talent you know uh, yeah, totally. and getting it out there so it's pretty cool yeah totally man I'm, I'm glad to see it like because we for such a small island here you know we have unbelievable facilities and it's great to see you know the youth kind of backing that up almost that it works you know what i mean if you have if you have it you know build it they will come kind of thing <laughs> you know what i mean exactly which is my which is my whole principles behind the bike park <laughs> yeah build it and they'll come you know so, oh totally right pretty good totally. um now i want to say another thing i remember ages ago this is oh, this is maybe three or four years ago i was i had a rocky mountain bike out for a test run for a couple of days and i loved the thing and you'd got on social media and you said check out the vitus because it's better <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. you, prob- you probably got it. Did you get it? You got it off. You got it off the Mac Monkey Boys for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say I you got the Rocky Mountain out from the Mac Monkey Boys. Oh, of course. I, uh, I'd say I was definitely, uh, I was definitely flying the v- the Vitas flag there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, here, I'll tell you one thing. They're they're all great bikes these days. Aye, aye, totally. Know, there's there there. 
there's not one bike that I could really say I wouldn't ride that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's cool. Well, what's happened since then is that the guys at Chain Reaction have been giving me the Vita stuff, um, the Nuke Proof stuff to try <laughs> out, and here, fair play to them. Mm-hmm. They've given me bikes all year, and dude, that mm-hmm. Vita stuff's it's class, man. You, so you were right. You were right. Good old gear. Good old gear. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that whole you know. I know it's it's uh, chain reactions kind of, you know, their 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 lower or their entry level uh, their entry level bikes. But mm-hmm. here it's the same guy. It's the same engineers. It's the same guys. It's the same factories. It's the same materials as the likes of the Nook proofs or you know even I'm I'm pretty certain the the carbon frames were made in the same factory as YT or something like that. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the 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 guys they're they're not playing around you know i know it's uh, everybody kind of sees things and you kind of think oh that's that's too cheap you know it's not going to be any good but like the the quality that the guys are pulling out and of course it's you know supported with the the direct sales model that chain reaction cycles have you know it's uh, mm-hmm. really pushing you know they're able to to get the products out there and uh, i tell you it's it's what the sport needs you know more top quality bikes uh you know decent valuable prices you know that, mm-hmm. that more people can can get into the sport and get onto a half decent bike right away you know rather than you know going through the second hand market and maybe picking something up where the brakes don't work right and there's you know the the, the suspensions hanging out of it and you know at that time you don't know you know whenever mm-hmm. you're only getting into the sport you don't you don't know that there's something wrong with the bikes you know no, um, true. and so 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 yeah you know to to be able to be pushing the bikes out like that there and as as you say they're they're great bikes yeah you and you know no, like I think as far as quality and value for money, you know, unbelievable. Like really, and yeah, you know, and saying that, I, the guys did lend me a nuke proof reactor, and dude, that thing, that is the best bite I've ever been okay. on. Okay. I've 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 had a I've had a wee ride around the car park at the at the Mega Avalanche on one of the, one of the, actually I tell you what it was one of the, it was the before they'd even released the reactor, uh, Keelan had one at yeah. the at the Mega Avalanche and just took it for you know took it for a wee spin and I had a wee play around on it and a wee pop about the place and I tell you what them things can them things can shift you know yeah. was that for, the for, for uh, uh, was that the 29er with the one one forty travel oh yeah that was that was the one and like geez once you, once you get them once you get them going like they're just oh, wee yeah. rocket ships you know. They are, man. I hear it 29ers before I rode that thing. And then I think it's just the combination yeah. of whatever they've done with the suspension, you know, the the smaller suspension and the geometry. Dude, that thing just is. Uh-huh. You don't think you're on a 29er. This, yeah, this is it. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, especially once you get used to it. You know, once you get used to it, going back down to the, you know, going back down to the 27 and a half, so it feels like you're getting back onto a BMX or something as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, and and that's kind of that's one of the reasons why I I've stuck with the the the, the twenty seven and a half is just with me I kind of I I backed off the race in that little bit it was just getting you know getting to the point where pushing the limits and running um you know our mm. our own holiday company where I had to be on the bike um it, you know that's that's kind of where i i decided to kind of start easing off the racing and so the 27 and a half bikes 
they're so much more fun for for my style of riding where i like to be flicking around the place and like you know doing like 360s off stuff yeah, yeah. or whatever whatever the case may be you know it's it's just that little bit more maneuverable and a lot more fun and also the last time that i raced or rode a 29er that's when I ended up with plastic surgery. <laughs> right. Yes. Tell us a story. Before before you go, tell us a story because we were chatting briefly about this before we. I didn't know about this before we hit record, and uh, I said, "No, don't don't tell me now. Tell me on the podcast. Go ahead. Tell, tell us the story. <laughs> <laughs> Something involving clothes and oh uh, yeah. Oh well. Yeah, it was a bit of a wardrobe malfunction. To be fair, um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> It's you know you learn something every day, and that day I learned that um, don't don't be cheap. <laughs> I know we're kind of we're going away from the whole kind of talk about bikes being cheap and all the rest, but whenever uh, whenever we I had a camper van that I was driving all around Europe and and everything, and whenever we started up in Juro Malaga, there was no there was no need for me to have that van anymore, and it was an Irish Reg van, so I had to get it back up to Ireland. So uh, we packed up all of our stuff here and we headed up. We were going to one of the first tracks races um, up in up in Tullymore. Um, and it was the last round of the season. And I think it was between myself or Glenn for the overall title. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until then, I don't think I hadn't lost. Uh, I hadn't lost a, a series ever since Glenn first started the, the series up. Uh, I think I had won it three times. I'm going to say three times and that would have been the fourth then um but then of course driving up we uh i, I was taking as as little stuff as i could because I, I, we were going to fly home but of course um in doing so and when i was packing the van laura i had uh, left my shoes out in the middle of the floor and uh laura had come along behind me and tidied the shoes you know like what, what are these doing in the middle of the floor and put them into the cupboard Right, of course, right. I just after having packed packed something else into the van and come back in, I was like, "Oh, that's the whole that's the whole pile is in the van." Happy days. Got up to Ireland and uh, actually, Greg Callahan was up in Tullymore that weekend as well, and uh, Glenn and they, they rang me. You know, I'd only just we, we'd only just arrived, and they were like, "Here, do you want to go out for a spin?" I was like, "Yes, I'd love to. Can't wait." Uh, and I went and got on all of my gear. I was like, "Where the heck's my shoes?" Had no mm. shoes. I left the left the shoes in Spain. So. Um, so yeah, I ordered a I ordered a, a set of shoes on on Chain Reactions, and it was great. They were there the next day, and of course I had to order cleats with them as well. And uh, there was one set of cleats was like four quid, and the other set of cleats was like six quid. So of course I was like, well, they're they're cleats, so I just went for the cheaper ones, you know, <laughs> and uh, got them got them put them on, went for a wee spin, and thought. Geez, these things are popping out really easily. So I, I got the like multi-release cleats, and I hadn't I, I didn't even know until that point that that was such a thing. Um, so all of a sudden I was riding along, and you know every time I'd like do a whip or something, I'd be, like one of my feet would be like on clipping along the way, and uh, it was it was a real nightmare. And even the whole way throughout practice, I was I was thinking like right, okay, this I'll I'll just have to push on and I'll. I'll I'll uh, I'll get through it. It'll not be a problem, you know. I've just got to keep my feet on the pedals. But of course, during the race on the first stage, we'll come down through, down the first section, not a problem. Cross the fire road where Stephen, <laughs> you were talking about <laughs> after the stream, was actually standing and marshalling 
Um, he, he was standing marshalling there and I got I got out round past the corner, took off down the next bit of trail and there was a little straight with a jump at the end of it and uh, Dermot Sweeney was standing or was at the far side of the jump and uh, waiting to get a few photos. So I probably in my head, not only was I thinking I'll get as much power down as I could, but I was kind of thinking, uh, right, we'll get a good photo here for Dermot. Um, and uh, yeah, come out, pedaled as hard as I could and just a couple of just a couple of meters back from the jump, my foot unclipped on the oh. upstroke. Like as I was pulling, as as I was pulling as hard as I could with my back, you know, with my leg at the back, and I was pulling the pedal upwards, my foot popped out. But of course, my legs were spinning that hard that the the the, the leg it just kind of carried momentum, and so my my I ended up uh, with my leg went into the front wheel. Oh, man. And through the through the forks at full speed. What? <laughs> so you can imagine that was like slingshot out the front door. <laughs> See you later. Oh didn't even God. know what it didn't didn't even know what had happened. I literally had it all happened so quick. I didn't even make it to the jump. My I actually used my face as a brake on the face of a jump. <laughs> oh man. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was an interesting one. And whenever I kind of come, kind of came through, you know, I was, I was, uh, I wasn't unconscious for very long. It was maybe only, you know, five, five seconds, ten seconds, something like that. Mm. And uh, kind of like I was lying there, and all of a sudden I was like, "Why is my leg through the forks of the bike?" You know, I couldn't get away from the bike, sort of thing. The guys that they had to like undo the front wheel and take the front wheel out to get my leg out. Um, oh my word! But do you know what was worse at the time was the face of the of the takeoff was like the really fine like quarry dusty gravel right. type oh, stuff. Oh god! And basically, I I had I had a mouthful of the stuff. So I was here was me kind of thinking like, right, is everything okay? What's going on? Like, you know, how's you know how's my face? How's my teeth? And I'm trying to kind of like close my mouth, but my, my, like my teeth wouldn't close together. And I just had all of these bits in my mouth. So there was oh. me thinking that was my teeth that were smashed oh. a bit, you know. Oh. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully not. Apparently, I've got a really hard face. Um, but I did uh, I did kind of like have a, a few kind of slices and stuff. And my, my nose had a little bit of a, <laughs> had a lot of road rash. But inside, my, my lower lip had essentially been kind of ripped off with the, you can imagine, the, using your face as a brake on a surface yeah. that is nice and has a lot of little sharp stones and stuff in it. Um, and yeah, so that ended up with a bit of plastic surgery and <laughs> 26 stitches to, to put right. Um, oh, and I ended up looking like a, I, I looked like I had Botox actually for, for a yeah. good while afterwards. <laughs> Um, and actually, I was on the I was on the on the the flight back to Malaga a, a few days later, and uh, the, I, I I was setting a trend. Actually, I was the, I was pre-COVID. I was walking around airports with a mask on. Yep. <laughs> uh, I was just 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 going around with a, one of the you know one of the old dust masks on, and everybody you know you felt really weird back then. You know, everybody looking at you like, what's that weirdo doing with a mask on? You know. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. And, were you were you wearing these, a full face helmet? Were, that that is actually one of the reasons I I am probably one of the culprits for the reason why they brought in the full face helmet rule. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I, I ended up I ended up being the I ended up being the poster boy for the whole campaign. 
hilarious. Yeah. But oh, I tell you, do you know what? I, I would have had a full face on. Only once again, another another part of the wardrobe malfunction was that um, the chin bar of the helmet, um, I, I had left it at home because it was buried under a pile of clothes. Yeah. So there we go. For, ev- for everybody listening out there that is lazy, a bit like me, and leaves their clothes lying around the place, make sure you've got your chin bar with you whenever you go to a race because it could be hiding under there. Don't just think it's in the van. <laughs> Aye, that was so the, important. That, that, that was the mistake. But here, to be fair, I wouldn't change anything. If I was to go back and do it again, I wouldn't put the chin bar on. I would I would go through exactly the same because I know exactly what it was like. You know, who knows if I'd have had the chin bar on, it was such a weird freak accident that maybe, you know, having that on would, would twist my head in some other way and it w- I would have ended up with other injuries or God knows Aye. what. So to be fair, I'm, I'm happy enough. But it was just hilarious for, for a number of months afterwards. My lips wouldn't, because they stitched my lower lip back onto, back onto my gums, it, it was a lot, it was a little bit lower down. So uh, for ages, I could I couldn't I couldn't close my mouth properly, and I couldn't speak. I couldn't say. I couldn't pronounce. I couldn't pronounce anything that started with a B. So I was riding around saying, uh, let, "Let's go and ride our bikes here." <laughs> yeah. Oh, kind of funny whenever you're a guide and you know trying to do that. So yeah, yeah dude. But we're all all good now. All good. Did, we're all did you injure your so. Did you injure your foot or your ankle or anything or that went through the wheel? No. No, that's unbelievable. No, thankfully not. If everything was completely fine, it was purely just a you know a a couple of stitches on the outside of my face and a, a load of stitches on the on the inside. It kind of smushed my upper lip as well at the same yeah. time. Kind of you know where 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 my lip pushed against my teeth. It wasn't like a slice. It was that I hit the ground that hard, my upper lip exploded. <laughs> oh my um, god! So so yeah, that was a that was a pretty mad one, but. That's that all part is, of it. Yeah, dude, that that is. But you know, I'm I'm glad to see more and more full face helmets out there. Like to be honest, um, big time. Yeah, because you know Definitely. that's it. You know, I know they're warm over the summer and everything else, and a bit uncomfortable. But here, man, when you yeah, you know, I mean that's that's kind of the, that's why we we work it here as well. You know, where we we tell people to to bring both if they have both, bring both, and I and and I say this is a full face trail this is a this is a wee helmet trail you know and and that way they can be comfortable if we're going pedaling in the mornings they can just wear the the little half head we'll pedal up and do a nice long trail down and then in the afternoons we usually tend to do more more uplifts and just just uplift uh, all all evening so that's usually the times where Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about the heat you know you're just you're you're sitting in the van the rest of the time and that's it's pretty good so so yeah that's the the way we kind of do it but cool man cool but yeah that's this this is what we're hoping for with the big comeback then for yeah enduro malaga this this winter you know we've got a, a few a few kind of uh, things that are that are new um a couple of like little offers and stuff and a couple of different packages you know we have our we're, we're, we've decided that we're going to run a, a three-day fun package so that people can just kind of get away over the weekend and it is going to be basically uplift 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 <laughs> mm. we're just going to be we're, ju- we're just going to have the most fun that we can and uh, give people as much for their for the for their money as they can get, and do as pack as much riding into the three days, um, and yeah, uh, yeah, basically just have as much fun as well as doing lots of other little packages and stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
all, all about kind of two bits and pieces. Uh, that one with all the uplifts will book out first. <laughs> I really hope so. I've 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 got it up there now, and it's it's really good for me because it means I can take people to the best trails, and we can have mm-hmm. the most fun in the, in those periods of time. And then here, the fun doesn't just happen on the bikes. As I was saying, you know, now that we know so many more places, Laura has a full itinerary of um, the all of the best places to go and visit all of the best uh, you know all of the best restaurants and stuff um, we also have a new guide actually uh, coming on board with us Alejandro he's uh, a local a local lad here that is half Spanish half Scottish mm. so he has uh, so he he's all, he's even he spent a year up in up in Innerleithen and Glentress with the dirt school guys um, and so it's uh, it's a pretty pretty cool to have have a really good rider that knows what he's doing coming on board as well and helping us with uh, with a bit of the guiding you know yeah um, and that way we can that way we've got the the whole package and having him for the mountain bikes that means I get to kind of focus on the on gr- the gravel Malaga a little bit as well so we can we can get that all all up and running and uh, start having some like, you know the thing that I love about gravel biking is we're going to get to places that we've never been able to get to before, which kind of opens up a whole new world of, you know, culinary and cultural experiences and all of these little small villages that are dotted all across Spain, you know. And so we're, we're, we've been we've been really excited to kind of get that up and running. And it was almost about to kick off just before COVID. But uh, here we are. We're back now and people can people can travel. So uh, we're going to hopefully try and do that there. And as I say, not just about the riding, but then there's also the, the fun that happens off the bikes as well, you know, with all of the different experiences and getting to getting to see about the different cultures and stuff and um also then all you know little things like you know little little ex the, the extras thrown in like little spa days and massages mm-hmm. and stuff with the with the gravel bikes you know as well just to kind cool, of add man. to the experience so sounds pretty awesome pretty cool. we're looking forward to this winter anyway yeah for sure like so where can people go nathan to find out more what's the best way to do that so Facebook, Instagram, or we've got our websites. Um, that's all either Enduro Malaga or Gravel Malaga. So super easy to, to remember. Um, so that'll have that has all of the the info on all of the different packages and stuff. Uh, I'm sure I'll be able to send it over, and you can throw it into the show notes and stuff, yeah. so that we can uh, people can link to it easily. Um, but yeah, all of the info will be on there, and then keep an eye out on the likes of uh, Facebook and stuff like that there, and on mtb tribe that we've got a, a nice little 10 percent 10 percent off discount for anybody any of the listeners that have listened to this here um, and that way they get they get a little a little bit off their their holidays and get to come and experience the fun all right brilliant brilliant we'll stick all those details in the show notes um as well so people can get easy access to it there and all that awesome that's that's amazing um have you got any boys coming over from here already uh, yeah, we've we've got plans. I mean, Keelan's planning on coming down and stuff over the winter as well for a, a little holiday himself. So uh, kind of you know, the, they've only got one one more round of the the Enduro World Series to go. Yeah, uh, and he'll come down and we say a holiday, but the last time we came over on a holiday, he ended up wanting to do like three thousand meters of climbing days and stuff <laughs> like this here. You know, that's <laughs> just like I pointed them boys in the right direction and just said. Go for it, boys. There's a hill there right up and down that a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. So to anybody I, listening, make I, sure you're not booking the same time Keelan's booking. 
<laughs> yes, yes, very much. So, ah, well, to be fair, it's kind of like oh, we, ha- we haven't, you know, through COVID and everything, we haven't seen them and stuff in a while. So we're yeah. we're going to kind of uh, keep keep those dates free and uh, kind of enjoy ourselves a little bit as well and catch up with some old friends and everything, you know. So Excellent. should Excellent. be should be pretty cool. But here, never, you know, you never know. Watch this space because it could well be that we organise like a little training week or something with the likes of Keelan, or we we like to kind of uh, get a few guests out every now and again to kind of do a little bit of uh, do a little bit of coaching or a little bit of you know just come come and ride with with so and so and and uh, a few celebrity riders and stuff so it's, hey, uh, it should be pretty cool we're looking forward to it you know yeah definitely definitely well bro listen amazing we'll put all that info in the show notes so people can get to you easy great stuff um, thanks so much for coming on it was it was brilliant to get you back on I enjoyed catching up there uh, some great mm-hmm. stories man so listen good luck with uh, the rest of the season I'm sure you'll you'll have a blast there and your head's screwed on and if I know of any investors out there I'll point them in your direction <laughs> good man please do and the same to anybody else out there anybody that wants to get into it we promise uh, free holidays for life to anybody who uh, to, to who finds us uh, an investor for the bike park <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, bud. Here, listen, take care yeah. out there, all right? I'll speak to you soon. Not a bother. Stay on. Cheers, Gareth. That's a wrap for episode 208. I hope you enjoyed it, folks. I hope you enjoyed hearing Nathan's stories. I know I sure did. And what he's doing out there with Enduro Malaga and Gravel Malaga is just amazing. And his future plans are unbelievable. I just hope he pulls that off because it would be so good for somebody from here to go over and do something like that. Absolutely amazing. And if anybody can pull it off, Nathan's the man for the job. So if you want to know more about Nathan, you want to know more about how to get your 10% off booking one of Nathan's trips, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com. Search for Nathan's episode and you'll get loads of info there. All Nathan's socials and some resources there as well. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, the best way is simply by subscribing, rating us on whatever podcast platform you listen to your shows on. Your ratings and reviews help spread the good word about the show to more people. If you want to find out a little bit more about the podcast, you can simply visit our website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast. You can also get involved on social media at MTV Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to get in contact with me directly, just simply email me at info at mtb-tribe.com. Well, that's it for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked.